So within the first like 20 seconds, you know how to check influencer audience demographics. And like, if you've Googled for that uh, problem, we show you the solution. And then underneath it's like, okay, now if you want to keep scrolling, like here's more detail, here's some alternative methods and so on. And that's obviously required in order to rank and satisfy the search intent. But uh, if you look at um, session recordings in full story, then you could, uh, you, majority of the conversions actually happen like in the first like 30 seconds. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Ryan Fire. Ryan has worked in various roles in the digital marketing industry since 2015. In that time, he has served as director and head of digital marketing for Go Limitless, co-founder of Linkero, treasurer for Middlesbrough C Cadets, I hope I, I got this right, director of Mellow Cleaning, um, digital marketing manager for Toggle Plan, SaaS SEO growth strategies for scale, and affiliate SEO for various uh, projects. In 2022, he took on the role of head of marketing and SEO and content strategist for Modash. Ryan, welcome. Hi, right, George. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, I actually forgot about a few of those things that you read uh, from my LinkedIn experience there. <laughs> Blast from the past. Too many experiences, right? I mean, too many different roles in uh, like different, I don't know, aspects or industries of of marketing. Uh, I mean, you saw marketing through many different lens. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, so, so going back to uh, the, the first uh, agency that you mentioned, this was uh, very varied. This was kind of like the, the proper beginning of my career. Uh, I had like local businesses, e-commerce businesses, digital products, a little bit of SaaS, uh, and then in-house in Toggle, and then back to the agency uh, at scale, and then now, of course, in-house in Monash. So. Um, yeah, a little bit of everything, but the last uh, four years have been very uh, SaaS-focused and, and SEO-focused. I must admit I didn't know 
Moldash before, you know, we kind of schedule this, this interview. So, and I assume that other people who may like listen to this episode may haven't heard of it. Um, so can you please share a few things about Modash and, you know, what the product is and who is a typical, uh, customer? Yes. Yeah. I will uh, introduce Modash. Well, yeah, absolutely. I expect that most people that would listen to this show, uh, in the, the P2P SaaS SEO world will probably not come across, uh, Modash, but, uh, it's a tool for influencer marketers. So the typical ICP is, uh, someone in an e-commerce company who generally has like influencer marketing in their title. So not like general social media manager, but someone who's working full-time on creative partnerships. Uh, and they use Modash for a few things. The main use cases are to find influencers. So you can kind of think of it like a, a search engine for influencers. You can go on it and say, hey, show me every TikTok creator in the world that has chef in their bio and their audience is primarily in the US, like for example. Um, and then you, you, can, you, you can get the results. You can analyze all the profiles, open it up and say, um, okay, well, where is the audience located for this creator? Um, what is their engagement rate? Do they have fake followers? Like, you can get their contact details, uh, all this kind of stuff. So yeah, a big part of it is influencer recruitment. And on the other side is monitoring. So when you have, uh, when you do influence marketing at scale, so you have a hundred creators uh, posting things for you every week, uh, it's carnage. You know, it's very difficult to, uh, to keep track, especially stories, you know, unless you're going to check every single day, take screenshots, even on the weekends, you're going to miss uh, content. Um, so the solution to that is, is the monitoring tool, uh, which basically just automatically grabs all of that content for you, saves it into a dashboard, uh, and then you can analyze everything kind of all in one place. You can get the creatives for reporting or repurposing, or just to, to kind of see what's working, that kind of thing. Uh, did I is, answer it, is it, yeah, of course, is it, um, platform specific or agnostic, would you say? Uh, we have data for Instagram TikTok and YouTube. These are the, the platforms uh, and how it works is, uh, there are other influencer marketing platforms who would advertise that they have, let's say, uh, a vetted database of like 5 million influencers, something like this, uh, which sounds great. But then in reality, once you apply a platform and then you narrow down to a country and then you look for people within that niche in a particular follower range, you end up with hardly anybody and you can't scale a program like that. So Mordash's approach is the other way around. It just lists everybody, just crawls publicly available social profiles, just like how Google crawls websites, and uh, just literally lists everybody. So instead of getting a few million, you have like close to 300 million. Uh, then, then we provide the filters so you, so you can find any anybody in the world, any niche. That's like the the kind of angle. The problem. Okay, so so you can get very granular, let's say, with your searches, right? Yeah, so you have, uh, you can filter by audiences, like who is the creator actually reaching. It can also filter based on the uh, the creator's own location or gender or whatever. Uh, but then as well as that, you can have the performance filters, like show me, only show me people that have at least 2% engagement rate, only show me people that have been growing at, at least 50% uh, more followers than they had, like say three months ago. You can search by different keywords in different ways, like keyword in bio, the hashtags that they use, these kind of things. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you, you can't find anybody, like literally everybody is in there. If you have more than a thousand followers and your your profile is, uh, not private, you, everybody is in there. It's just a case of figuring out like what, what filters to use to find them. Okay. 
Um, now, to begin with, can we go big picture uh, and share an overview of Moldash's uh, SEO and con strategy? Yeah, sure. Let's start. So uh, I think uh, at a high level, it's it's very much like the standard kind of uh, high intent content playbook. So if we start with the blog, um, we covered all of the, the usual stuff. So like software tools kind of keywords, so influencer search tools, influencer analysis tools, influencer tracking tools, all these kind of things, they all have search volume. So uh, we, we take the usual approach, Frank Holistical, put yourself in number one. Um, we have tons of how-to keywords, lots of variations. Um, a lot of them are related to finding influencers. So you've got search volume for how to find local influencers, how to find micro-influencers, how to find YouTube influencers, and so on. So there's like 10, 15 of those. Um, we have lots of uh, other types of how-tos, like how to check X metric, you know, how to calculate X metric, whatever. And um, so that's a big part of it as well. Um, Beyond that, a couple of other important parts of our SEO strategy are what we call mini tools. These are like free, uh, kind of unbundled parts of our uh, product. So the highest traffic one is the fake follower checker. If you look at Nordash's domain on Ahrefs, you will see a fake follower checker is the top page. Um, and then we also have engaged with their calculators. Both of them work with the same idea. You put in like an app handle and it will check the fake followers or, or give you the engagement rate. And, um, and uh, we have a couple of other small ones like that. Uh, and then the last significant uh, subfolder on the site, if you like, is uh, our programmatic program, which is uh, Find Influences. Uh, so we have a page for Find Influences in City and Find Influences in Country. And then we also have it for niches and some variations. Uh, so for example, we would have like uh, Find Influences in Greece, and then we would have Find TikTok Influences in Greece, Find t uh, Micro Influences in Greece, find uh, beauty influences in Greece uh, and so on. And then we would have all the cities as well. Um, I think that's a good start for the overview. This this is indeed the perfect start. So, and also a perfect segue for this next question I have for you, which is, I guess the last part, what you are referring to is kind of launching pages programmatically or creating pages programmatically. You know, people refer to um, this as programmatic SEO. And can you can you speak about that a bit? Uh, and what are the biggest learnings so far uh, from, um, let's say, practicing um, programmatic SEO for uh, for this website? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess I can start with an overview of how it works exactly. Um, so, like. Inside Mordash, I explained earlier that you can apply these different filters and you will get results. Basically, that's what we do. And then just display those results uh, with a slightly different design on static pages. So we take a giant list of locations, we match them up to the locations uh, available in Mordash. And then if the results are good enough, we, we generate a page. Um, something that people ask me quite a lot is I get questions about like what percentage of the content is unique uh, and stuff like this. This is a common question, I think, in, in programmatic SEO. And the answer is that um, like pretty much all of the text is duplicate content. Um, we don't use AI to paraphrase it or spin it or anything like that. Um, it just works very much in a templated fashion. So it will be like uh, the body text will be like, we found X influences where X is a number uh, in uh, country or city or niche or whatever, um, 
on the platform or whatever. And then the rest is basically identical. And this has never been a problem, never run into any indexing issues. Uh, because the rest of the, the content on the page, like the actual results, the influences, which is the, the important bit to satisfy the search intent of the actual list of creators, this is always unique. And um, so, yeah, uh, that's one uh, learning, I would say, that maybe you don't have to worry about uh, spinning uh, text just for the sake of it. Um, but uh, another thing that uh, is interesting, perhaps, is that quite a lot of people that search this type of um, Query are maybe not RICP. Like if you search influencers in Greece, it doesn't mean that you're a brand uh, looking to hire creators, right? Uh, and we accept that. And uh, maybe the conversion rate is a little bit lower than it would be on, on the, one of the high intended blogs that I shared before. But uh, the approach is that we we deliver like the creator, uh, we give some uh, kind of standard uh, metrics like the follower counts and uh, maybe the engagement rate. Then we try and provide a few extra data points, which are like a little bit interesting that you wouldn't be able to get just on Instagram as a kind of a teaser. Like uh, this is uh, the information that you could get uh, from from Mordash, you know, kind of uh, prove like there's more data here available. Uh, and then we use CTAs that make that clear as well, like uh, get audience break count or check uh, contact details, things like that. Um, yeah, I'll pause for a minute. Uh, does that make sense? Uh, does it? Does it you have a follow-up question? It does. I, I guess a follow-up question I have here is, like, in your experience, what are the elements that kind of make such a page successful? Is it, like, you know, um, curating the best influencers for that niche or for that country or area, region, whatever? Is it the little metrics that, you know, uh, add that that extra something uh, to the conversation? Because these are metrics that only Modash can offer and the rest of the search results don't have. So this gives you an edge over other like uh, websites and search results. What are the signals, like, like the positive signals that you see from these pages uh, that as an extension, give a positive signal to Google that, you know what, this is a page that you should run because it, you know, offers a, a cohesive experience to to the like search engine users. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe not specific to Mordash, but starting off at a bit higher level, I think uh, it's really just the same as any other page. You need, you need to satisfy the search intent. It needs to uh, look nice and be nice to use and just just have what the person is looking for, right? That's like the super basic thing. Um, so the, the trick there with a programmatic uh, project is to kind of template everything uh, very nicely, Re really work hard on the first page, uh, get it how you want it in terms of design, also in terms of text, like have a, a repeatable meta title formula. So again, for us, it would be like top 20 uh, country influencers, uh, maybe call on find uh, Greek influences or something like this, you know, something that's repeatable. Um, and then specific to Mordash, we do have competitors that that have this uh, type of uh, project as well that perform worse than ours. And I think the one of the big things that uh, gives us an advantage is that we just tried a little bit harder with the results. So other competitors are probably using a similar methodology where they apply some filters to a database and then display the results. 
Um, but typically, if you do that, um, sometimes it just doesn't work very well. So like, for example, if you want to display a page of Greek influences, having uh, the influences location set to Greece might not be enough. Uh, you might get um, some bad results with that. So we, we, we took a little bit more care with the filters, did a little bit of trial and error. We also chose not to display some pages that didn't work. So um, try and think of an example. So we have some pages that work by uh, keyword in bio. So we have like tennis influences and fishing influences, for example. And those two work great. But then if you try and do that for like uh, mom influences, which has a lot of search volume, you get results that say like uh, car mom and plant mom and stuff like that. And like, it, it just takes a bit more effort to filter them down and find the right results. Uh, and I think our competitors don't do that. They just display everything. Like uh, and it, the results are sometimes not very good. Um, if that makes sense. One question I have, do pages pre-exist or, you know, they are created, uh, they, they've been created, they, they are created as the search happens on the website? They're pre-created. Yeah, there's there's no elements of uh, dynamic page creation at the moment, no. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Now, According to Ahrefs, a significant amount of your traffic comes from pages with, uh, but you kind of touched on um, three mini tools you have created where people can try some of your features for free. An example that you said is the fake follower uh, check. Can you speak about these pages? Um, do they, I mean, the, the main purpose they serve is just driving traffic and, and awareness or anything you can serve, of course, they can help in terms of like acquisition as well. They, they, they definitely help in terms of, of acquisition. Um, they're, they're quite high volume, so they get a lot of traffic. Fig follower tool, for example, has about 130,000 uh, in organic traffic for the last 30 days. And uh, the, uh, yeah, the, the approach is kind of the same as I talked about before in that we satisfy the search intent, we deliver that number of the percentage of fake followers, but also add in a few other data points. And again, the angle is like, hey, here's your answer, but also look at all the other data that would be available if you started a trial. This is the, the kind of CRO like strategy. Um, the average quality is very low. So we have, uh, there's been months where that particular tool has driven like over 2000 trial signups and uh, quite a lot of them are influencers creators that are just checking their own account or people who are just curious um, but enough of our ICPs that it's worth maintaining that tool and, and, and uh, investing resources uh, into having it rank. Um, one extra interesting thing about uh, the, the fake follower tool in particular is that we uh, on TikTok we create extra search volume for the fake follower tool so we have videos that say like you know how many fake followers does Kim Kardashian have for example, and then we uh, record the process, we record the screen of uh, typing in fake follower check into Google, clicking on Mobash, and then pasting the, the app handle into the tool and then getting the result. And of course, because there's no uh, clickable link uh, in those TikTok videos, people replicate the behavior. So they go and type, type in fake follower check, they click on Mobash and then they try it. So really interesting thing there is that our click-through rate for so that phrase fake follower check is like nearly 70 percent which is insane for a non-brand keyword that's because people are 
searching word when they're looking for our tool specifically. Does that make sense? It does. Um, uh, a question I have here, are these uh, tools like um, reliant on uh, platform APIs, for example, Instagram? No, no, it's, uh, we have our, our own data sources um, and yeah, that, that's actually a big product advantage. I probably won't, won't go into it too much on this podcast because it's a bit irrelevant, but uh, there is uh, competitors in the space that have suffered from changes from the platform APIs uh, and our approach is not uh, dependent on them, which is it's a very big advantage. Since we, we kind of touched on conversions, um, I would like to, you know, continue uh, and discuss a bit more what, you know, uh, learnings uh, have you, um, like, gotten from, you know, on working on, on, on this website in terms of conversion optimization. And if you have, if we can make it like practical uh, and even share an example from, from your blog, that would be great uh, in terms of what you know, what works um, when it comes to not only getting traffic, but also like um, translating that some of that traffic into like signups and then revenue for for company. Gotcha. Oh, are we talking blog posts, landing pages, mini tools? Uh, blog posts um, and the most I guess, applicable, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess an, an example we, we could discuss here uh, is and blog posts you have on how to check influencer audience demographics, which I also, I noticed that you also integrate the product somehow in there. And all, I guess I would like to know whether or not this is a strategy that works and whether you have anything else, any other strategies or tactics that you have, you know, seen working well in terms of like, you know, driving pipeline and not just, uh, you know, like views and uh, pages and like, yeah. Yeah, got it. Okay, so uh, I think first thing, like there is absolutely no substitute for a really relevant topic and just uh, pitching your product as a solution to that. Like, there's lots of CRO tricks that you can do that can move the needle a little bit here and there, but uh, really the the topic itself and how you present your product as a solution to that is the, the number one thing in my experience. So the the article that you're talking about. Um, and, and similar articles with like how to check and how to find and things like that. We tend to include like the the short version. Uh, so we have a, an extremely tight intro, like two lines can be like 20 words or something really, really short. Uh, and then in the case of how to check all of the demographics, it literally just says like, do this, do that, do that. This is what it looks like. There's a sign up button, that's it. So within the first like 20 seconds, you know how to check influencer audience demographics. And like, if you've Googled for that uh, problem, we show you the solution. And then underneath it's like, okay, now if you want to keep scrolling, like here's more detail, here's some alternative methods and so on. And that's obviously required in order to rank and satisfy the search intent. But uh, if you look at um, session recordings in full story, then you could, you know, the majority of the conversions actually happen like in the first like 30 seconds of a session. Uh, so we rolled that out across all similar um, types of, of content uh, and this works great. That particular one converts at all the 20% and has done consistently for the past six months. And uh, there's several other examples that are above 15% as well. And it, again, it just comes down to the topic. Um, I also think that uh, some industries might not 
be able to expect that conversion rate because like, that particular pinpoint checking influence audience demographics, there's not actually that many solutions in the world for that. Whereas if it was like how to uh, create a Kahneman board or something like this, you know, there's, there's hundreds of, of channel-like tools and the conversion rate would probably be a lot lower. So that, that's uh, something that I kind of have in my favor from that side. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's the big one. As well as that, we have like uh, a blog-wide sidebar with, with a with a floaty sticky CTA, which uh, makes very very small impact, not nothing, but uh, but uh, not huge. And um, let me think. Other than that, CRO tactics on the blog. One thing that that's kind of a part of the same conversation with the uh, the short version is that we have uh, like a sign up box and it's not only a button but you actually type your email in and it takes you directly into the product um, which is uh, useful as well um, yeah, I will, I'll pause for a minute and let you talk while I think of some more okay um, let's shift gears then and discuss link building um, okay. I've seen in one of your recent LinkedIn posts that link building has worked well for you in terms of rankings, visibility, I guess traffic. Can you speak about your general approach to, to link building? Yeah, so um, there's a few different uh, strategies, of course, with link building. The, the one that we've primarily used is, is relationship-based exchanges, which I think some people are a bit skeptical of. That I've I've employed them with great success uh, for for Wordash and in the past and on my own site as well. Um, so kind of the high level version of how that works is that you would um, so let's say you, you write a guest post and instead of uh, just earning one link to your site from all the effort that you put into that guest post, you go to three people in your network that are in a similar space and say, hey, I'm writing about this topic. You have this page that's relevant. Uh, if I link to it. Uh, can you give me a link in return? Makes like, this uh, kind of reciprocal linking, but not a flick from one site directly back to the same site, if that makes sense. And um, so we, we write a guest post, it gives someone else a link, we help that out, then they give us a link back from their blog. That's like the, the, the high level idea. Uh, and the great thing about being able to get link inserts from, from people in your networks like that is that you can, uh, you know, you can go on Ahrefs, you can review their top pages. And you can uh, get highly relevant links from pages that actually rank, pages that actually have internal links, that have external backlinks, uh, and potentially even referral traffic as well. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm confident to say that it, it really made a big difference uh, in our in the past year of our SEO journey. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I've I've heard about this um, several times, and of course. It's something that that requires some some time, like reaching out to websites and you know building relationships and maintaining these relationships. Right? It's not just like closing a new partnership. It's like keep making sure that you keep the the partnership active. And then of course you need to like write the contents and like wait for the content to be approved. I don't know. Link building in general is 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 tough. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It is tough. Um, you do have. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, we have um, other interesting thing is that once we've reached number one for some of these terms, especially for the free tools, we then start to earn links as well. So which really helps you to kind of stay there. It's like with the fake follower checker example, we, we've never dropped from number one for months and months. You know, a typical kind of number one 
rank tracking graph might be like this, where like every now and again, you just dip for a day. Uh, maybe the client panics, but, but we know that it, it's going to come back. With the thick follower checker, it just never, never, ever dips. Uh, and I think the reasons are is because we have a huge moat with the click-through rate thing. I think if, if Google sees that 70% of people that search that phrase click on Wordash, it almost, it's almost like it's a brand homepage or something, you know, it's, it's extremely high. And then the second thing is that we're attracting organic natural backlinks uh, all the time as well. Just by doing, just by being in number one, when people search anything about fake followers, they find it and link to it. And our link velocity is is higher than than it would be if we were running like a, a manual kind of uh, link building campaign like that. So um, that's another aspect. I guess when you get to that point, it's kind of like a flyway, right? Um, and it gets stronger and stronger, and it's difficult then to kind of lose that position because of all the things that you've done up until this point, right? Um, you use a term that I'm very interested interested in. Um, the term is influencer-led YouTube SEO. Can you please let us know what, what this term is all about? Yeah, it's, it's just a fancy way of uh, saying that you, you hire creators to make videos for you that intend to write for a specific search term. So let's say for us, I mentioned earlier that we have a lot of success uh, attracting uh, sign-ups and customers through how to find various types of influencers. This is like the number one use case for Mordash. So on, on Google, we invest a lot of time and money into ranking for all of those variations. Now on YouTube, there isn't the same level of search volumes. So we don't go that granular. We don't do a video for YouTube influencers and a video for Instagram influencers and a video for local influencers and so on. But uh, it's still worthwhile to rank for how to find influencers. And at the time, like we do actually now have in-house video resource, but at the time we didn't. So if we wanted to rank for that keyword on YouTube, we're either going to have to buy all the camera gear and uh, figure out how the hell you make a YouTube video and how you edit it and, and so on, or we just go out and find someone who already makes content on influencer marketing and say, hey, we'll pay you to do this. Um, and that, that's uh, the approach. And we had uh, a handful of these, and one of them in particular works was great. We get like 20 plus MQLs every month on, on autopilot, just as if it's a blog post that, that ranks in Google, you know, same kind of idea. Um, and that's just the ones that are trackable through the UTM link in the description as well. You, you, you assume that the, uh, the real impact is higher than that. But is it like a sponsorship or, I don't know, um, just, you know, I'm using this tool to, to, to achieve that? Yeah, well, the, the, I, uh, I don't claim to be an expert in YouTube SEO, but in, this, in these particular examples, I apply the exact same concepts that you or I would do to a blog. So for example, topical authority, I looked for a channel that already makes content on influencer marketing and assumed that they would have an easier time ranking for how to find influencers than, than someone else would that hasn't. So that's one. Second thing is search intent. If you want to rank for how to find influencers on Google, you you write, here's eight ways to find YouTube influencers. And then number one is use Mordash. Number two is uh, create a brand ambassador program. Number three is search on Google, like whatever, like different methods. So we did the exact same thing on YouTube. It's like five easy ways to find influencers. Number one, use Mordash. It's exactly the same thing. And it, and it worked perfectly. I don't know if it, uh, you know, I haven't got enough experience with that to say that it works every time, but those two concepts of topical authority and uh, search intent uh, applied perfectly in this case. I see. And 
And it's interesting because I guess it's, it's one of the things that we don't get to hear very often. And while we know the importance and the power that the, like leveraging um, another brands or individuals audience can can have, right? Um, yeah, but the, the the great part is that we weren't actually leveraging the person's audience. So if we were, if we were trying to find creators that had say a million subscribers, that would cost you know thousands and thousands to get a dedicated video, maybe, maybe above ten k for for a dedicated video. But because this person only had a few thousand subscribers, their rates are a lot lower. But we we don't care about that because the goal is to rank in YouTube. Our goal is the recurring uh, views every month for, from from organic. So it doesn't matter that they don't have subscribers, which makes the, the content a lot cheaper initially. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, on a completely different topic, what are your uh, thoughts on AI content? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure I have uh, anything super interesting to say on this topic. Uh, at Mordash, we haven't uh, successfully implemented really able, uh, AI into our content workflow tested around a little bit, but uh, our you know, standards are extremely high and uh, yeah, any anything that we've done with it so far has been a case of just rewrite the entire thing uh, for now. Um, we do use AI in, in other ways. So like, for example, one way is that our, our CMS is Webflow and um, Webflow misses some really basic features. Like, like for example, on WordPress where you could create a table or make a button that doesn't exist in uh, in collections in Webflow, which is blows my mind. But uh, you can just do it with custom code, so you can ask ChatGPT to uh, write the HTML and CSS required uh, JavaScript if necessary, uh, and that's that's become probably the most common use case for AI. But in terms of actual content writing, there's currently no no application in RTE. Okay, I don't know, but in the beginning there was this like uh, frenzy of. Um, getting on the AI, AI boat. And now, uh, both from people working at companies and from agencies, and now I kind of see people to dial back a bit and uh, not change their opinions, but kind of be a bit more skeptical about it, um, which is a good thing, I, I want to believe. Um, what about Google's uh, SG? Yeah, same kind of thing. I don't think I would have anything new to add to that particular conversation. I think anything I say here has probably been said before. I would say that I am mildly concerned about it. I'm, I'm fully aware that you know Google needs publishers. It needs to to reward content creators. It needs its you know ad clicks and all this kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, I do kind of expect that the the net result will be lower number of clicks uh, on organic search, um, which is mildly concerning. Um, but especially like for a business like ours, which our primary uh, goal-to-market channel is SEO content. This is where the majority uh, of our acquisition uh, efforts are placed. But uh, yeah, it's still early. I don't think that we're, uh, we've suffered from it in any capacity so far. And uh, I don't claim to... Uh, to have an answer for what will happen in the next year, but uh, we'll see. Let's see. Let's see how this plays out. After all, at the moment, it's you know still in beta. The public version may be very different from what we see right now. Um, before we go, I would like to know a few things about marketing arsenal, uh, which is a um, you know 
a site uh, of yours. What is the the website all about, and uh, what plans, if any, and do you have uh, for it for the for the future? Cool. Yeah. Good question. So yeah, this is a, a side project. It's an, an affiliate content site. Um, it was started in uh, I think twenty twenty one, so like two two and a half years old now. And uh, prior to that, I was uh, doing the classic Amazon affiliate site flipping model. You know, I'd go on Flipper, I'd find a, a site which uh, has been under monetized or that I can spot uh, easy opportunities t- to grow, uh, you know, work on it for six, 12 months, sell it again, uh, go to the next one. And um, that, that worked okay. I had uh, a couple of big wings, a few little uh, failures as well along the way. But uh, the, the big problem with it is that one is the lack of recurring commissions. Like, for example, one of my sites was in the weather stations niche. Uh, so if you know you rank for best solar powered weather stations and uh, weather stations with lightning detectors and all this kind of stuff. And then you sell one and you get 3% one time. That's it, gone. Um, it, it's, it's really, really not a lot. And uh, yeah, so I, I always kind of had my eye on software uh, from an affiliate perspective because you know instead of three percent you get 20 30 40 percent and of course it's recurring as well but the competition is a lot higher because of that so uh so i, I wanted to do it i didn't do it for the first couple of years and then i thought right let's uh, let's start a site from scratch instead of buying one and uh for me it had the kind of double benefit that i could write about things that are relevant to my career as well i can write about SaaS seo and content marketing and even if the site isn't successful from an affiliate perspective, like this never hurts, right? To to uh, to, to practice writing and to uh, to uh, share your knowledge and, and so on. So, yeah, that was the thought process that led into it. Uh, and for the first, I would say, up until maybe November twenty twenty two, so like yeah, six seven months ago, the site was like nowhere near profitable. The the revenue had grown. Uh, the first year, I made like maybe a hundred dollars. Uh, in total, and then the second year I made about twenty five thousand. So it was like significant difference. Glad I didn't give up after one year; that would have sucked. Um, but at, at that point, I was still investing heavily. I had freelance writers producing content for the site, so I was still either like at best at break even, usually in the red. Um, but yeah, around November, for, for various reasons, I, I stopped producing content, uh, and so like overnight, that the site's profit went from nothing to like two k a month, um, and then. Now it's at around 3k a month in, in average profit um, from various different types of deals, pay per demo and uh, affiliate commissions, the main ones. That's great. I mean, I don't know if that's what they call, what people call passive income. Uh, I don't know what passive income it's, is. It's close. It, it's, yeah, not, not entirely passive, but it's, uh, yeah, one of my goals with it was to replace, because I previously did client work on the side as well, and one of my goals was to to invest the money that I get from uh, freelance work. You know, I, I would pay my bills for my full-time job, do some freelance work on the side to get some extra cash, invest it into uh, a, a site that can then convert that into uh, income that's not tied to my time directly. You know, maybe passive is not quite the right word, but it's not related to my time. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's great. Um, that was very insightful, uh, especially, you know, many of the things that you do at Moldash are very interesting and I find a lot of value uh, in this episode for, you know, people who, um, who, who will listen to it. 
Um, thank you very much, uh, Ryan, for doing this. Last question I have for you, um, where can people find out more and, you know, uh, reach out or get in touch with you? Yeah, well, uh, if you have LinkedIn, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and if you don't have LinkedIn, then uh, get LinkedIn. It's the best place. <laughs> okay. If you don't have LinkedIn, it's time to, to get LinkedIn. Uh, Ryan, thank you very much for doing this and looking forward to the round two sometime in the future. Great. Yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, AHS. AHRS provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use AHRS Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahers.com slash AWT and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.